1: The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas, ice houses blaring on the stereo, it's humid and dangerous, and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units the Podcast was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on The Force back in the early 80s. So this season, Dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week, we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every week I sit down with Dad and we work our way through Loose Units the book, which is a book written about him uh, because he was a cop in the 80s. As you would know if you've listened to the introduction or heard the show before, why am I waffling on like this? Well, it's probably because Dad and I are still a little hepped up after Friday Night's Trivia. We got together with uh, comedian Richard McKenzie and with Tegan's help, we basically got on with... um, I don't know, there were like 50, 60 Lucianious listeners from all over the world who kind of hopped on and did this big trivia event with us. And it was very last minute and it went really well. Dad, it was your very first pub trivia, wasn't it? It was, you know, 90 minutes of really incredible fun. It was an amazing night. Lots of people have messaged saying, when are you going to do it again? And uh, we are, I, I would say it's a certainty that we are. So just kind of, you know, keep your eyes open. We'll try and arrange it. And we're thinking of maybe trying to do it on the weekend finding a time that means that even if they're doing it at breakfast, mm. we can have overseas listeners tuning in.
2: I think I, I think it's a great idea. A lot of people missed out. And mm. I think this could become um, a bit of a gig.
1: Okay. Well, previously on Loose Units, in last week's chapter, Dad got into a brawl with an escapee from Pentridge. Ah, uh, Long Bay. Okay. So, Dad got into a brawl with a prison escapee who he and Julian had arrested for stealing, gum, for stealing gum, which is, you know, obviously a very minor offence. And they were on, I mean, if you listened, you'll know what happened. I, I highly recommend going back. But long story short, Dad got into a brawl with this guy and um, he got arrested. And this chapter is a direct continuation of that story. So now you're going to find out what happened to that guy. And it's a fairly juicy story. I actually, I literally had to cut you off last week, Dad, and make sure you didn't just roll on into part two of the story, which, mm. you know, happens occasionally. Mm. But this mm. is chapter 42, it's called Caught Red-Handed. And uh, could you talk us through, well, first of all, last week, I really wanted to make sure that mum was okay and you assured me that she was. But I mean, if you're pregnant, being kicked in the stomach by a large man, that can't be good. You mentioned that the she had to go to the hospital, right? There are lots of protective things within the womb, aren't there, to protect the baby? Yeah, but unless but- there's like a fucking crash helmet on the kid, that is not yeah. safe. I mean, look, as evidenced by the fact that she was taken to the hospital, people clearly mm. took this seriously. But yourself- Oh, look, it, it could have ended tragically. Mm. Uh, could well have ended
2: tragically. Um, it's the thought of a person. It's not as though this guy didn't know Christine was pregnant. It was glaringly obvious how many months was she pregnant again It was she was prob well
1: more than eight months pregnant okay, okay. so re- really ready to drop the bundle drop the bundle you used that phrase last week I was confused by that hmm. um okay so mum was okay now that we've hmm. resolved that sort of cliffhanger it, hmm. it lies to this episode and to you to really lay out in minute detail okay, cool. what happened next okay well look I read the chapter uh, this morning mm-hmm and
2: you know, obviously, you, you took a, a little bit of license—not a driver's license because you don't
1: have one of those. But um, <laughs> sorry, mate, it's <No>, okay. <laughs> it is—it is, it. is true. It is uh, much to the consternation of you and pretty much every listener to this show. I still don't know how to drive. Um, mm. I think you know how to drive. You just. What do you mean?
2: Well, you know, you know the fundamentals. Like you know what? If, I, if for example, if I said to you, if I sit you inside a motor vehicle, yes. And say to you, now, Paul, can you please point out the steering wheel? Would you know what that is? I go go, and then i point at my hat.
1: No, I'd be fine.
2: But we did teach you how to drive, and you're you're a competent driver. Competent, yes. You're unlicensed, but yeah. you've got potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read the chapter in minute detail. Right. Because I think I made a bit of an admission on Friday night's quiz. Yeah. That I assumed... See, I read every single chapter thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Prior to every episode, when, when we talk
1: about it, because it's important for me to be, be cognizant of all the facts, yeah, I and also, fatal- and also to you know reacquaint yourself with the sometimes pretty stark differences between, oh yes, the versions. And yeah. I, yeah, I'm glad you've touched on that
2: because reading the chapter this morning made me realize that you know you've used some some license, mm-hmm. artistic license, um, you know the 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 nub or the. The kernel um, the facts are, are pr- pretty spot on. Yeah. But I think it's really important for me to go through the, the process now in some minute detail as I remember it, which will be at least 99% spot on, okay? okay. sure. So, sure. you know, this particular guy, I'm so tempted to use his name. I, I would never do that. Mm. But he was, funnily enough, his family unbeknownst to me, owned a pastry shop
1: that I used to frequent. And it was bloody good pastry. I mean, you said that he was very, like, guilty of very violent crimes. Is that correct? Uh, murder. Right, so he was a murderer.
2: And other things. Right. But he was the sort of guy that, look, you know, on that fateful day, um, he could, if he had have been armed, for example, if he had have had a knife, mm-hmm. uh, I would have been, I don't think I'd be here today. And uh, it would have ended very differently. He was capable of, of some really bad shit. Right. And the fact that I used to kind of go to his family's sort of pastry shop made me feel a bit kind of weird, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so what happened was bail was obviously refused and he ultimately went to the district court. However... Some time had passed by. He'd been sentenced by a judge in the district court. But when you're in court, when you're in custody, prior to being sentenced, you are on remand. What does Long that mean? Jail. It means that you're waiting. You're sort of in the wings. You haven't been found guilty of the offence or innocent. Okay. But the, the, the seriousness of the offence is is serious enough to say that bail should be refused. So you've got people in jail that are... I mean, when you drive past a jail, like Long Bay Jail, which is a fucking creepy place, Mm. when you look as an outsider and you don't understand the judicial system, the system of incarceration, to you it looks like one building. But within that building are different... Sort of sections. You've got a hospital, mm-hmm. you might have a psychiatric unit, you might have a maximum security unit for people.
1: You know, in Goulburn, they've got what's called the Supermax. Have you heard of that? Uh, yes, I have.
0: Yeah.
2: And think, and uh,
1: just quickly, are Supermax prisons run by, they're not run by the government, they're run by companies, right?
2: Oh, no, they can be, be, be run by local and state governments. Okay. But we have um, historically privatised. A lot of the jails, right? Um, that that could result in some pretty. I mean, look, Paul. That's a very interesting point, mm. but let's think for a moment, everyone. Imagine, Paul, that you are arrested for a, a major crime. Um, imagine, if you will, you. I'm trying to sort of use a scenario that's not too close to the bone, insofar as like I don't want to sort of freak everyone out, but. Let's just imagine a person comes home and their partner is deceased and it's obviously been as a result of something terribly violent has happened Mm -hmm. and you, the the partner, be you male, female, it doesn't matter what sort of permutation of relationship it is, something terrible has happened and for, for whatever reason you panic, you don't call the police instantaneously or for whatever reason you might go into shock, you might pass out. You might phone a friend. You might phone your mum. You might, Who knows? I mean, you can't imagine being confronted with a terrible scene. Ultimately, the police rock up and you are arrested and charged with the murder of your partner. But in your heart of hearts, you know 100% and factually, you are innocent. Mm-hmm. But the police don't know that. They charge you. They're not... On the balance of probabilities, because of the seriousness of the offence, they're not going to bail you. You won't be able to post bail. You will be conveyed from the court to a correctional facility. If it's in Sydney, you will firstly um, appear before a magistrate in the lower court. You'll be taken to Long Bay Jail. You will be in remand. Now, some people in this country, Paul, and this might surprise the listeners some people have been on remand for years can you believe it and those people some of them when they finally get their day in court guess what what they found innocent there's no compensation for being held in custody for two years they just kind of walk out of court which is it's that simple you go from the dock you walk out onto the street You've just done two years at the Bay on remand. Now, if you're on remand, you're in a remand section of the jail.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you're not with the lifers. And there's seriously no... There's no compensation. There's no... No recourse. If you're not wrongfully... If if you're wrongfully... Really? Well,
2: wrongfully accused, Paul, when you go before a jury... Yeah. And the jury finds you not guilty, having said that to even complicate this topic even more... Juries get it wrong as well. There are people that have been released. And you know that thing about you can't be charged tw- uh, or charged twice for the same offense? Mm. Double indemnity, is it called? Oh, yeah, it's something like that. It's so surreal. Yeah. Let's... But that's a whole other thing. So this particular guy, he was on remand, but he was entitled every five days, I think it was, to go before a special court in Macquarie Street, Sydney. Yep. He was allowed to um, make an appeal for bail. Okay. So I was a, as you know, I was a young police officer, and every time he made an appeal or was going to make an appeal, I, as the arresting police officer, had to appear in court. Now, I'd done a night shift. I was delirious. I had to somehow make my way into the city. I used public transport. At 10 a.m., which is when all courts sort of start, I went into the, uh, the court and I saw this guy basically handcuffed. Yep. He had two correctional services officers, one on the side, in the dock with him. Okay. And he was appearing before a judge to make a case as to why he should um, be allowed to you know, go on, on bail until the court proceedings. And I had to give evidence. I had to actually go into the witness box in front of a judge.
1: Yeah.
2: It's a very, very, there's no, no sort of jury. There's no members of the public. It's, it's a very, very clinical process and it doesn't take that long. But every single prisoner is entitled to this. So imagine the logistics of getting the prisoner from Long Bay into the city, up into the dock, Mm -hmm. and then reversing that whole process, should bail be not granted. And as I was walking towards the witness box, I looked to my right, I could see this guy, this heavy, heavy crim. I'd, I'd since found out a lot more about him, so I was more than aware of... Of how blessed I was to be alive, basically. Yeah. And what did you find out specifically? Oh, all the all the offences, right? And what were committed. What, could you run through a few? Well, he'd murdered a uh, couple in Canberra. Jesus. He'd actually tied. I won't go into the sordid details. I know the listeners would love me to, uh, unless you really want me to. I kind of yeah. I kind of think it's well. It's, it's like halfway. minutes halfway between. Okay. Well, he basically um, this guy he'd. Um, He'd broken into a house in Canberra. He'd tied up the husband and wife. He Mm. raped the husband in front of the wife. He then murdered both of them using a knife. So he basically cut her head off and, um, yeah, pretty heavy. But I'm sort of not going to go into all the details. I think that's enough. Good. But that's an an example. (sighs) Plus, look, he was clearly, um, look, for whatever reason... The day that I had the encounter with him, I'm just um, unfortunate, uh, w- without a doubt. He, if he, like I said before, if he had have had a knife, he would have opened me up, and my, my gizzards would have s- spread all over the furniture in David Jones, which would have been a bad look. Um, so yeah, and and don't forget, Paul, you witnessed the entire thing. So uh, oh yes, you are claiming this. I, I mean, obviously, I have no memory, but. No. That's pretty intense. You, okay. you did see a whole lot of bad shit happen. As a baby or a young a young kid watching something terrible happen to your mum and dad, Yeah, I mean, you'd be quite cognizant of the fact that something terrible is happening. Right. Wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, well, yeah, probably. I mean, there would be a certain degree of that, yeah. 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 Now, the fact you can't remember, it's a good thing. Mm. And I think there are certain things in life that you, you see or you do that you have no recollection of, like the case of the... When my mate and I, with the rice bubble boy, my I remember everything, you know, I remember things in minute detail. Oh, yes, of course. Until a certain point where I go, I want to remember. Yeah. Like, but I can't. Now, so, uh, so... Right, so talking about the... Um... The guy. Yes. In, in the dock. Yes. So I'm walking towards the witness box. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of, you know, sort of aware. And then, like an action superhero this guy who was probably 120 130 kilos he defied gravity and he lunged out of the uh the dock caught the two um he's handcuffed but not they're not holding him he's handcuffed but one of the really creepy things about being handcuffed and one of the really problematic things about handcuffing someone is that if you handcuff them at the front so their hands are in front of them. What mm. what do you think they could do with the handcuffs?
1: Oh, they could choke you out. Correct. I could, um,
2: yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and they can just they could, and and it would be a rotten, rotten way to go. Mm. The force of these, of the sort of the chain, the links between the two cuffs, are just sort of cutting through your, your neck, your throat, your voice box, and it it'd be you'd be fucked. Same. So. Funnily enough, they they don't often cuff people with their hands behind their backs. Occasionally they do, but um, you know this guy. He just lunges. He 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 became airborne, and he literally flew with rage and anger towards me. And I quickly sort of sort of jumped forward, mm-hmm. and he literally flew through the air. It was incredible to watch, and he landed on the floor which was carpeted and then in a microsecond these um corrective services guys that had been with him in the dock Mm -hmm. plus other staff they all just sort of crumpled down on this guy and and he was a big guy and they basically all just through gravity and sheer weight pinned him to the ground there would have been at least four people big guys on him and uh the judge is watching on. The judge was just... It's not the sort of thing the judge sees that often. I, I certainly was in shock. And once I'd composed myself on the court, sort of, you know, got back to sort of some sense of normality, and they got, they had to put him back in the dock because yeah. that's the process, that's the procedure. Because in a dock, you've got these stairs uh, that take the prisoner from the dock down into the bowels of the court. Mm-hmm into the cells where he would then wait for the prison van from the bay to come in and pick him up because it's super, super high security. You can imagine the types of people that they get in court. I was very, very stressed, but a part of me was kind of happy in that this guy had sunk himself big time. And the judge then said to me, very calmly, he said, Constable Verhoeven, do you have any fears for your safety? Which was a rhetorical question in light of what we'd all seen. And, um, you know, I said, yes, I do. And, um, and yes, he's, um, he was kept in prison. Right. Um, but then, Paul, possibly the most sort of weird and bizarre part of this chapter is what you'd written about and I'm about to explain now. Yeah, And it's kind of one of those serendipitous moments in life where you look back at a set of circumstances and almost question whether that actually could have happened because it's so bizarre and it goes something like this. I was working back at North Sydney Police Station I was doing general duties. I was actually the station constable, so I was responsible for all the day-to-day things that all our listeners know. You know, counter-inquiries, taking reports of motor vehicle accidents, answering the phone, and also, probably most importantly, looking after prisoners, and also charging, fingerprinting, photographing. Like, it's an array of things. And, and, you know, you're doing an eight-hour shift, and it generally keeps you pretty busy.
1: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: Now, next to North Sydney Police Station, and I mean right next door, Mm -hmm. was, I'm not sure whether it's still there today, but was North Sydney Courthouse. And it was just pumping. Um, It was just frenetic. Now, a particular prisoner had been to court uh, on a particular day that I was working, and, of course, they'd bring them back into North Sydney Police Station and they would put them in the cells. You know how we've got three cells out the back? Yeah. He, this particular guy, he was uh, going... He'd been um, sentenced to, a, a, a like, a custodial term that was to be served at Long Bay Jail. Now, it was my job because the prison van from Long Bay would pull into the back alleyway. We would then, you know, they'd sort of press a bell, we'd let them into the building, we would then go through all the, the, the paperwork, obviously making sure that everything's, um, you know, okay. And that moment when you open up, the rear roller door of North Sydney Police Station, or any police station for that matter, is a critical moment because imagine if there are people on the outside that are going to use this opportunity to break them out of out of jail. Gotcha. And um, there have been some extraordinary cases over the years, just unbelievable cases where people have... Uh, you know, used other people to sort of help them escape. So that you know, th- you're really, really on edge. You're, you're hyper alert. Now, once these prison officers come into the building, roll a short, roll a door down, process everything. You then, because I've got the keys to the cell, mm-hmm. I unlock the, the sort of this ancient, massive Victorian padlock, and then I bring out the prisoner that's been. His, his case has finalized, it's been determined in court, he's now going to go into a, a term. And in this particular case, I think from memory, it was around about eight months uh, in jail. So his offense in the grand scheme of things was not, not a major offense. Like we're talking months as opposed to years or decades or life. So and this guy was a monster man. He had red hair. He was he was built like a brick shit house. In fact, he was he was bigger than the guy that we'd had the encounter with in court who flew through the air like Superman. And he he looked at me and he said he said, "Is your name John Verhoven?" And I was quite taken aback and I said, "Well, yes." He said, and he was a really jovial, like, friendly, happy, just a really, dare I say it, sort of a decent, nice guy. Mm. And um, he said to me that my dad, Hank Verhoven, had taught him back in the 1960s at Curl Curl Primary School. And... He spoke so lovingly about my father, a genuine a love of um, what my dad had done for this particular guy. Now, I know that my father, um, he was, inst- or my dad instigated the first soccer team at Curl Curl Primary School. Right. And he he had a very, very strong passion for football, as they call it in Europe. And he was a very, very tough teacher, but he obviously had a bit of a soft spot for this particular guy. Now, we got chatting and he was t- he was just explaining to me that my dad had um, made reading and, and, and school somewhat, you know, more pleasurable than uh, other teachers had and he had a, he, a genuine sort of warm regard for my dad and he... Um, you know we got chatting mm. and i actually had a cut over my eye uh, because this asshole um, had sort of whacked me not at the um, the court but prior to that he'd whacked me during the the fight at David Jones oh, okay. them all. Yep. and this guy he made mention and then i i started to tell him the story and he was he was pretty pissed off and then at the very end um i mentioned uh christine and that she'd been pregnant and this guy that my dad had taught he sort of he looked at me and he he um he sort of put his he was he was handcuffed but As I was getting him out of the cell, he put his hands on my shoulder and he looked at me and he just said, um, you know, um, because I explained to him that this offender was at the bay and he said to me, oh, what's his name? And um, I told him his name. I mean, it would have been very, very easy for him to have... Very easy for him to have found out about this particular guy. And um, he just smiled and he said, um, you know, basically... I'll look after it, which kind of made me feel a bit, bit, bit anxious. Obviously, because I realised what he meant by that, and I had been in that type of situation before, but with other police officers saying to Christine and myself, remember that that case mm-hmm. of the stalker, where the police said, um, "We'll look, we'll look after this guy," and Christine and I thought, "Oh, that's nice," but then we began to realise what that actually meant. So we kind of had to, you know. Because you don't want people taking
1: the law into their own hands. So you just established that you and mum had compunctions with the idea of someone, you know, kind of take carrying out summary justice on your behalf. Mm. You said, no, 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 please don't do that. So at this point, you have been accosted by this guy. He's kicked your wife in the stomach. You know mm. he's a very bad person. And you've got yep. this quite friendly dude going, I'll take care of it. Now, mm. I just want to kind of pan out. Here and just pause the tape for a second and go. Okay, so worst case scenario, what happened was? Well, I mean, at that point, as far as you know, you've put a hit out on a guy. No, I haven't put a hit out on anyone, Paul. No, but you don't. You don't say to the guy, "I want you to do something to someone in jail." No, I mean, I mean, completely inadvertently, because what you've done is you've you've told this scary dude what this guy did, right? So you've given, so you've conveyed that you the emotional stakes and what he's done, like the injustice has been carried out. Yeah. And you've told him, you know, where he's going to be. And the guy has said, I'll take care of it. At that point, do you say, no, 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 don't, don't do anything like that. Or do you go, whatever? Or do you just clam up because you secretly hope that something does happen to this? No,
2: to it's, I certainly would never hope that anything had happened to anyone ever. Okay. That's so what, totally... what did you,
1: what did you say once he offered to take care of it? Nothing. So I'm I, what I'm positing is that saying nothing is is a really interesting response in that it's not a yes but it's not a no, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. just I'm just trying to kind of I'm not judging I'm just trying to kind of pass what you actually meant. Yeah, well this, the,
2: yeah. the way the way I feel about this particular guy who was rather sort of jovial yeah. is that he he's it's all talk, it's all bullshit you said he was a monster man and this is yeah hard. physically but physically but but not a not a violent person at all he was not in in jail he was not in custody he would never done anything violent it was mm-hmm. break and enters
1: what and if he had like what, what if some, what if he had done something what if you found out years later that that, that you know the guy who kicked mum in the stomach the escapee, the murderer was you know shanked in prison then what would that do to would you feel responsible in any way? Like you kind of accident- mm. accidentally, you know, like you'd accidentally yeah, set this up. Maybe on.
2: slightly, but, you know, people have access. Can you imagine the information that gets around in jails? Can you actually imagine? And they have access to news too. And it was it was a newsworthy event the, the, when Christine was made the front page of the local paper, an yeah. area that he lived in with his family. And who's to say he didn't get a copy of the Manly Daily? I mean, yeah, no, that's... Um, and if he had been a super violent, hairy, creepy scumbag, uh, I probably wouldn't have even engaged with him. In fact, I wouldn't have at North Sydney Police Station. Because yeah. I actually remembered the guy from when I was in school, because I remembered that he was a, a bit of a soccer player. And Now, here's the thing. What was he in for, by the way? Sorry, did you already... So, me- minor, minor break-and-enters. Like, multiple break-and-enters, but, you know... Never anything violent, nothing sexual, nothing, no assault, nothing, nothing like that. He was actually, I would describe him as, if you met him on the street, um, a really nice guy. But the thing is, Paul, that I, of course, spoke to my dad about him and dad remembered him. In fact, when I started to talk to my dad about this guy, because I could use his real name, which Mm -hmm. I won't use on air, my father's eyes lit up and he remembered this guy really well and... Yeah, it was,
1: um, it was interesting How getting much my dad's... It- yeah, well, here's something that I, that I think is interesting, and I'd love your insight on this, Dad. Um, oftentimes, when someone goes berserk and pulls out a gun and kills a bunch of people, not so much anymore now that that happens so often, especially in the States, but certain types of news outlets will talk to the kind of old guy who knew the guy as a kid and will say, "Oh, he, just, he was so nice and he was so friendly. We can't believe he did this as if knowing the person when they were young you know seeing the person around the traps is in any way helpful in trying to discern what they what what was inside their hearts for what you know what was actually going on inside their brain boxes and what you know and time has a way of changing people what i'm saying is that you knew this guy very very tangentially from long ago as did your dad it is in your experience is it not possible that life and time and accrued experiences could turn a person who is perfectly nice and who likes soccer into someone who is capable of sharpening a toothbrush and going a guy in a prison toilet. Like, is there anything that says that someone can't become evil later on? Um,
2: I think that's slightly... I, have a, I find that word evil slightly problematic. You've used um, it before on this show, though. You've used the yeah, word evil Yeah, but I still... F- I, I like to use the word very judiciously. Okay. Um, Just as an example, you know what I'm saying. No, no, it's great. It's great. And also, um, I believe that any human being, male or female or whatever, Mm. if they're put into a situation, particularly, for example, a custodial situation, and you become part of the system, and let's say, for example, there's brutality within the system from the establishment, from the people that are... um, you know, working within that organisation. Look, you're always going to get a lot of genuine, caring, fantastic, compassionate, fair people within these organisations. But you are also going to get, like in the SAS, which has been documented a lot, you are going to get some people, a tiny, tiny group, that are going to do their utmost to go through the recruiting process to ultimately give them an opportunity to do what they really want to do. And we can construe what I've just said. You can use all user imaginations as to what that means. And they do have systems to try and, you know, weed out people. But I worked with police officers in the 1980s, and which would still be the same for the 90s, the 2000s, today, tomorrow, 10, 20, 50 years into the future, you can't weed out every single person. And I also believe that a situation or an event within one's career may change you, but also your private life. Uh, Imagine if you, something just ratchet happens to you and you're still going to work every day and, you know, you've got these angry, angry sort of feelings and, oh, God, I mean, and then you, you have an opportunity. You rationalise and you take it out on um, on a particular person within the organization, a prisoner, that you have deemed to be, you know, worthy of your your anger.
1: Look, I think what I'm curious about, Dad, is you've talked about, you know, um, cops. I'm just I'm just curious as to whether you think it's possible for that this guy in the intervening period became the kind of person who might be capable of that. And I'm I just I find it interesting that people will meet someone and then for years and years and years carry with them as if it's some sort of deep insight what that person is like. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. I, I... I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, like I moved to I moved to Melbourne and, you know, I moved to Melbourne, what, 14, 15 years ago, I think? Hmm. I would say I am significantly different as a person. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, but I mean, let's say it went in the opposite direction and you met me and i was accused of murder and you was like no sorry I, no i'm sorry paul couldn't do that i know paul but a lot can happen in 15 I years i agree right?
2: but paul when you um, are sentenced for it doesn't matter what it's going to be but let's talk about the very worst of the worst of the worst offenses you can commit on our planet yeah when you are sentenced you are entitled in fact the judge would be remiss if he or she didn't want to find out about how you got to this place yeah. and part of that is getting people to give opinions thoughts references
1: like character references right character what? references now yeah.
2: now now some and the you know magistrates and judges don't take these lightly if you've ever been in court it can be almost like pulling teeth the court sits there Whilst the judge reads, and they don't just skim over, they are thorough. And sometimes he will, he or she will, will ask for an adjournment. In fact, quite often they will ask for an adjournment. Mm. So they can go off into a quiet place and get more of a sense. Because it is important to know how someone got from being born, hopefully normally just on the balance of probabilities untainted. To killing someone. To where yeah. Yeah. And I I I definitely feel under the under the right or wrong circumstances, and I'm about to drop a big cliche that we've all heard before, but anyone is capable of pretty well Doing something not too good. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. Think about rage. Think about you become irrational. You become. But most people work through it. You know, there are people that keep things in their mind. They contemplate doing terrible things to noisy neighbours, but they don't do it. There are a few people that, for whatever reason, look. There. It's 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 a
1: big topic. Yeah. Sure. At this point in the book, you have effectively just been through a whole bunch of really crazy stuff. I mean, you know, you tried to perform a, you know, an an off-duty arrest in a department store and you got into a massive brawl and then you went to court and the guy lunged across and attacked you and then you talked to a prisoner who, you know, implied he would do something terrible to this guy in prison as some sort of punitive kind of justice. I mean, at this point in your police career, you're right up the pointy end. You're right at the end of uniform, you know, being in uniform you've i mean are you already considering moving across to a different department at this point uh are, are you because uh, we've only got a few chapters left of this of this book cases coming up uh i would say some of the scariest ones well look we're going to keep going through the book towards the end over the coming weeks uh we've got lots of really great stuff planned and we hope you enjoyed this really dense really scary episode of loose units and uh we will see you at the end of the week for loose ends but we will see you next week for more loose units bye everyone